a podcast to saturate your faith with the things of God so that you might saturate your world with the good news of Jesus Christ. My name is Travis Michael Fleming, and I am your host. And today, I have with me in studio, my running mate, K.O. Kevin O'Brien. Kevin, welcome to the show. And my on my very first time being on the podcast. Yes, he is the chief strategy officer as well as the chief editor. Big titles, big titles. At go Apollo's big or go Water. home. Go big or go home. That's how it is on Apollo's Water. How have you been? It's been a while since I've seen you. I am doing all right. We are getting into the school year. The temperatures have finally left the 90s here in the Chicagoland area. And uh, it's been a nice thing to have school back in session because now I can think at home. I wish it was the same for me. I I have three kids. I mean, I have four kids, but three are in um, uh, school right now. I mean, one's in college, but I don't have to take her to school. The other three, <laughs> I got to take in one way, shape, or form, and they start at 720, 820, and 920, and I have to drive for each one of them. And there's huge lines, and I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I don't like lines at all. I, I don't blame you. I am not British that way. I do not cue very well. Um, I am very glad that I do not have to drive my kids. One is on the bus and the other, a friend picks her up every morning. So I do not have those worries. It's great. That is not my problem yet, but I look forward to the day when I don't have to worry about it. But here we are. Season two. Can you believe we're at season two? It is hard to believe. It has been basically a year since you and I first started talking through this thing. And to think about where this thing started and where we are now is pretty remarkable. I, I don't know if remarkable, insane, crazy. Those are some of the adjectives that I would use. I mean, it was, it was like in September that I talked to you about doing a show and you, I, I don't know if you were on pain meds or if there was a problem <laughs> that you had, but you were like, Hey, this is good. And I'm like, what's wrong with you? And you're like, no, seriously, it's good. And then I looked at your wife and I said, what's wrong with him? And she's like, he's got a lot of problems. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're not allowed to ask her that question unscripted because you'll get an honest answer. And that's difficult for me. Yeah. It, uh, I, I remember you uh, giving me a call and saying, hey, I am thinking about this podcast. I've recorded something. I want you to take a listen and give me your feedback. Um, and I did. And I took lots of notes. And I think a few days later, we ended up spending an entire afternoon talking about the podcast and what you were trying to do and mission statements and possibilities. Um, and it went from there. It, it, and it was crazy at first because I'm my own worst critic. I think anybody that puts their stuff out there really, uh, they're, they're most harsh on themselves. And so I share this with some friends of mine. I mean, we got some friends in common, uh, Cisco Cotto, who's at uh, WBBM, and he's one of the on-air personalities, and he listened to it. and uh, He gave a lot of just encouragement to it. And my father-in-law took a listen to it and uh, he'd been in radio for several years. And I thought, wow, 
this could be something. And just seeing how it's all come together and mushroomed, not from just being a podcast, but into an actual ministry where we're trying to write curriculum, we're connecting with leaders, we're meeting people. It has been fascinating and also doing retreats. And, and I mean, I, I'm, I'm overwhelmed. I, I really it am. Is, it is pretty amazing. I have the page in my hand that the notes from the very first one that I, that I took. Um, it's pretty wild to think about starting you starting this thing off and me kind of coming on board. I think it was a week later. You said you called me up and said, uh, I can't pay you, but I want you to be my editor in chief for this. And I said, yes, before he talked to my wife, which in retrospect is probably <laughs> not a good idea, but she is totally on board. So, um, uh, yeah, I, it's, uh, from the very first time I heard the podcast, I thought, okay, this is going to be, uh, a big deal. Um, this there, the heart there was something that, um, really caught my attention and I wanted to be a part of from the very beginning. Which is crazy. That tells me that you need a lot of counseling um, <laughs> uh, because anybody that's partnering with me in this thing is it's a little bit crazy, but we, you know, but God has been behind it on a serious note. It's been incredible to me to see how fast it's grown to the people that we've been able to meet and introduce to people and how we've been able to help people process so many things going on. I mean, we've talked about a lot of different issues on the show, whether it's LBGTQ issues, whether it's discipleship, and really it's in many ways all about discipleship and how we as disciples accomplish the mission of God in our, our, our uh, excuse me, proverbial worlds. Um, that's why we say water your faith, water your world. I mean, and that's gone on where we've, we've done retreats. I mean, we, yeah, we've got books, we've got so many different publishing houses that we're interacting with now. It's been really phenomenal. And with me, I mean, I, I didn't envision, uh, when we started this, that I'd be selling my house and moving to Florida. That was not in, uh, my, my mind, but yet, here we are. You're in Chicago. I'm in sunny Jacksonville. Actually, it's not sunny at all right now. It's like storming outside. But I'm in Florida and the, the state that always is making headlines for one thing or another. So I always want to be close to where the action is. Yeah, I'm not sure that's the kind of headlines you want to be close to somehow, but um, I get that. Um, yeah, I was thinking about how far things have come. And it's pretty remarkable when you think, okay, there's 65 episodes that have happened. 65? Um, I, 65. I um, remember the number. Yeah, I had to recheck it. So 65 episodes, 47 states, I think 35 countries, I think where we've been in. The number two country is India, which is just remarkable to me, but some of the other places that we've had listeners, um, whether Nepal or, you know, places like that, that are closed countries. Yeah. Um, we, you've been able to talk to some pretty remarkable people. Um, and like you said, hit on some important topics. The, I mean, when you think about the people that you've been able to talk to over the last year, um, I don't know what stands out to you in particular, uh, 
in terms of those uh, conversations? Do you have one that really kind of sat in your mind? Well, I think for me, Oz Guinness was a big deal just because I'd read Oz Guinness since I was in college and he's such a deep thinker. He's such an elder statesman. Um, He sees so many things. uh, I mean, so many things way before anybody else does. So that that one really sticks out of my mind because I I, I kind of had to pinch myself because I, I just didn't imagine that I'd be talking to him. I've always wanted to. I always wanted to pick his mind. Um, but to, to be in that conversation with him was truly something for me that was is just such a blessing and a highlight uh, of my life. And when we got done and he said that was a really good conversation, we continued to talk for another 25, 30 minutes, maybe even longer after that. So that was just a real thrill for me. But all of them have been very fascinating just to meet these different people. And uh, I'm still amazed to all of those who are listeners out there that you you have listened. And I just want to thank all of those who have listened or tuned into the show, because without you, this is not possible. And I, my hope is that we can really hope you that, um, that what we talk about is serious stuff. We're a little goofy. I like to tell people I take, I take my faith very seriously, but I don't take my faith myself so seriously all the time. I like to have some fun. And I think there's a lot of negative headlines out there today. And oftentimes when I hear Christians speak, it, they're, they're speaking truth, but it's, it's always kind of in this non-redemptive way. Like it's, woe was us? Woe was us? Woe was us? And yes, there are some very sorrowful things, but there's also a lot of things to rejoice over because God is still on the throne and uh, it's good to make people laugh and have some fun. And I, again, I just want to thank all those who have listened and who have contributed to the ministry and who support us uh, because we are trying to do this full time. Um, we're not fully raised yet. Uh, in our our funds, but we we for those who have contributed and I know have given so sacrificially, we just want to thank you for partnering and believing in us and what God is doing and what God has birthed. And we invite other people to be a part of that. You can go online at apolliswater.org/support hyphen us or just go onto the Apollos Water page and in the upper right hand corner is a support us because we'd really we really need your support um because we do believe that God has birthed this and it's a lot more than a podcast. We want to help people all over the world, continue to help them. And we see ourselves going to different spots around the world to be able to to listen to the church, to help them where we can, but also to bring back what they're doing and share it with you. And, and not only is it not possible without all of our listeners, but it's without uh, without our team, this isn't possible. And there's so many people to thank, right, Kevin? Yeah, there are. There's It's um, amazing how many people sort of behind the scenes have volunteered time and energy and when it comes to audio engineering, first Brian and then Donovan coming alongside and helping us to get the sound uh, as good as we can. Uh, Eliana and Rebecca on uh, social media. Now, Melissa as well, doing things, plus uh, our web guy up in Canada, Chris, and our guy helping uh, with some logistics and merch stuff, Chris, different Chris here in the Chicago area. Yes. And, and uh, so, you know, and, and even lots of other people along the way. And, and and even frankly um, the ability to, 
do presentations to various people and sort of work the kinks out, so to speak, with kind of friends and supporters and have them come alongside. And I would be remiss if I didn't mention uh, the board that we have who has helped out as well to um, to do things and and as well as some advisory people who we've tried to talk to for uh, making sure we're getting content right and tone and who are we listening to. And there's just a lot of moving parts, far more people than you would think. Yeah. And it seems only to be getting bigger. We've got other people that are going to yeah. be content creators and, and uh, it, it, it's just really grown a lot more than what I expected. And I expect it to grow a lot more. And I know things have kind of slowed down for the summer because if you did not hear already, I mean, you heard that I'm in Florida, but uh, we put our, our house up for sale and uh, sold really fast. We didn't know where we could move. I mean, I mean, we didn't know where we were going. So you can move anywhere you want to move to. So we decided to move uh, closer to family in Florida. My wife is from Florida. So we decided to come down here and I, I figured I could get a tan, even though I don't really tan, <laughs> I burn. But uh, I thought it'd be a little bit warmer, even though I like colder climates myself. But I, I have to say that the darkness in the uh, between November and April really starts playing on me after a while. So I thought we'd give Florida a shot. And here we are. And we are in season two. And let's talk a bit about what we have going on, because there's a lot. I mean, people haven't been privy to the conversations. I know people saw the, the episode with Audrey go up, and then it was a long time in between the second one. I mean, we had a lot more episodes we wanted to, to have people be introduced to, but just time would not allow with all the moving and all the things going on at the same time. But finally, we're here. We're at season two, and it, it, there's a lot going on, Kevin. There really is. And I think, you know, one of the things that, you know, you listen to a podcast, I listen to a bunch of different podcasts and, and you hear the finished product, right? And you don't always think about what's going on in the background that allows those things to happen. And some people do it in their spare time and some people are doing it as their job. And one of the things that we recognized really early on was the podcast is sort of the front door to a larger ministry. And we've spent a lot of time this spring and into the summer talking through, thinking about um, refining our mission and message and why are we doing this and what is our end goal? Um, and those things are have all been kind of going on in the background while um, – while moves are going on and podcasts are being recorded and all of that stuff. And so part of what we wanted to do today was just give people a heads up. Hey, this is where we're headed and uh, what's a kind of around the corner and, uh, and why we're doing this. Um, I think those things are all important uh, sort of to give people a sense of what's next. And it's huge. It's really huge because, I mean, you and I have discussed this kind of ad nauseum. We know that people are overwhelmed. 
right now there's so much that's going on, especially with COVID. It's it, I mean, kids are, are being sent home, being quarantined. People don't know what to do about work. I mean, life as we know it just seems to be still. I mean, it, normal is it's either become the new normal or the old normal is just being rather elusive where we can't find it anymore. And it's caused people a lot of confusion because they're hearing things from different people, whether it's on social media, whether it's on various websites. And they're, I mean, not just overwhelmed, they're confused and also divided. I've never seen people so divided. And I and I know that I, I don't want to make it sound like division doesn't ever occur within history because it does, obviously, even in the United States of America. But I've never seen the church so divided on so many issues that seem minor when you look at them from 30,000 foot view, but the closer you get, the more major that they become in people's minds. And I know that what we have talked about is we want to be a bridge. We want to help people find peace. We want to help people find clarity and we want to help people find unity for the body of Christ. That's what we want to do. We're about watering your faith because really what we want to do is partner with the church around the world so that you can water your world. We want to introduce you to their stories, their practices, their principles, and take the best from our world and, and show that to other people as well. Because we, we think it's a conversation. We're always learning. We're always listening. And we're always trying to, we're, we're trying to teach and show. But we recognize that we don't have the corner on the market of truth. And we need to be able to hear from our brothers and sisters on, uh, around the world, be, because that's our theme, is we want to water your faith so that you can water your world. You're the only one that knows your world. No one knows it like you do, all of the different pieces. And so we want to introduce you to speakers, um, leaders, influencers, uh, people that are, are thinking through the issues that you're facing, and that by introducing them to you, we want to equip you with the conversation tools so that you might be able to have conversations with people and share your faith as well as live it out before a watching world so that they too might know who Jesus is. I mean, there's so much there. It's, it's hard to believe it really. Is. Yeah. Th yeah. There's, there's a lot there. And, it, and I think, you know, the faster culture gets, so to speak between technology and everything else, it feels like, uh, t uh, culture just keeps getting faster and faster and there's more and more that we have to absorb. And sometimes it gets really hard to, to know what to do or what to think. And so hopefully, um, between the teaching we do on the podcast, the people we talk to, um, and some of the other things, um, we can help people to really engage their world better. And, you know, as we were thinking through all of this stuff and, and working through this and thinking about this second season, uh, we realized um, several things that we needed to be thinking about and, and working towards. And one of those, and this is going to be up on the website fairly soon, is refining our core values um, just a little bit, um, adding one for clarity's sake. We, we talk about being biblically grounded and confessionally Christian. Well, those two things are, um, are related, but not the same, right? And mm -hmm. the Bible is our source of 
knowledge of who God is and how we are to interact with him and relate to our world. We are confessionally Christian in that we um, ascribe to the, the historic creeds, and we've got those um, on our website. But we've also said that we are um, we are globally engaged. But one of the things we realized is we needed to add something just before we got to that, and that is being culturally aware. Um, and that's really, really important because there's there's a couple of aspects to that global engagement. And one is we all have lives in specific places, and that involves families and jobs and community and church and friends and all kinds of relationships that are very local. And sometimes we become completely unaware of our own culture and we've all got them and and we don't recognize that right until we bump up against somebody else Mm -hmm. who has a different culture and then those things become very clear and for me one of the biggest examples is my wife is canadian um, and a lot of people think, oh, you know, the standing joke is Canada is America's hat or things like that, which is just America junior. Well, yeah, you hear all these <laughs> kinds of things and it's and it's really not true. And, and you want to make a Canadian mad. Um, they'll be they'll be polite about it. But um, when I lived in Canada, one of the things that was kind of a standing joke was what does it mean to be Canadian? I am not American was almost always the first words out of the mouth. And what you realize is there is a different culture there. Is it similar in lots of ways? Sure it is, because we're both from colonies of England. Right. But there are very real differences and and that need to be taken into consideration. Um, And and that's arguably two countries that are cousins in in a very real sense, or older brother and younger brother, however you want to talk about it. I had a professor when I was up in Toronto who used to say, uh, he was Canadian, uh, we have left home and mom to come under the watchful eye of big brother, all puns intended. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that that understanding your own culture allows you to do a better job of being globally engaged. My sister lives in Uganda. Um, And she has for the better part of a decade now. Well, she has become, in many ways, an American African, Mm -hmm. um, which is not the way that we normally think about it. But this is a person who is super type A, who is now on Africa time, which is, as you know, is a very different thing. And so, so we need to recognize that we have a culture, others have a culture, and we need one another. And we need to to not only teach, but also learn from one another. And I think that's going to be an important part of what you see coming up. We're working very hard to make sure that we are paying attention to the church around the world. How do we, how do we learn from as well as help teach um, because um, I think as we've talked about a lot, um, you know, the world's a complicated place, but the body of Christ transcends time and space, ethnicity, culture, gender, all of those things. Um, and we want to make sure that we're helping people see that. I think you've brought up something very important um, with our core values and and adding that one being um, culturally aware. I just find that whenever I look at Christians in the West, 
there is this idea that there's a one size fits all. And if I just find that principle, I can give it to everybody. And why isn't everyone just receiving it and doing it the way that I, I state it? And it's not true because we, we have, we all come from different cultures. And that's why I like to tell people there are, there's a reason there are four gospels that each one is written from a slightly different cultural perspective. And when you, when you understand that it takes on a whole new level when you start seeing that and the Bible does transcend culture, but it's also written to I mean, it happens in a culture and it's written to cultures and you see these interaction of cultures all the time. And we need to be aware of them because most discipleship curriculums or programs that I've seen never, ever touch culture. They just think that it's follow Jesus and they fail to understand what that looks like in a given culture. And then they miss such a powerful element of the gospel and what it is and how God wants to speak to a people. But I want to go back to uh, some of the other core values, because while we've talked about this and talked about this internally, we've not really shared this with other people. And we've talked about uh, biblically grounded and uh, slightly, and we're going to come back to that in a minute, but I want to talk about for just a second, what it means to be confessionally Christian. We chose this for a specific reason. Do you remember what that was, Kevin? Um, well, I think there were a couple of things that, that hit me is, you know, it's really easy, especially, um, in today's world to, to sort of, um, get really pragmatic and to live in the now, um, and forget that you are part of something bigger um, and that our faith is is something bigger and we wanted to be to remind our um, both ourselves and the people that we were reaching out to that we're part of the historic Christian Orthodox faith um, and that that means we need to include as many people as possible who identify as Christians in our teaching and our discussions while maintaining that, that, um, that commitment to orthodoxy. And, and we also know that there are um, a lot of doctrines, um, a lot of things that Christians today disagree on. And there are a relative few that virtually all of us agree are essential. Um, and so what we wanted to look at were, okay, what situates us? How, what are some things that we can point to that says, this is who we are, um, that both recognizes our current cultural moment and connects us to that larger thing. So we started with the Nicene Creed, um, which um, is one of those classic um statements of faith or the NA statement of faith, which is the national association of evangelicals here um, in the U S both are fairly uh, short. And then we also looked at the Luzon covenant, um, which is longer, um, but talks specifically to the world. And those are, those were all important parts, but I've got a feeling that you're thinking about something specifically that you wanted. No, it's all that, but it's also the fact that, 
especially in the West, you're seeing that change. The, the idea of, because Christianity is not, does not have the cultural influence that it once had, where our yeah. grandparents, for those who grew up in the United States, there was at least a familiarity with Christianity, even though you may not have been Christian. Sure. You knew such yep. things as vacation Bible school and Sunday school. It was just part of the everyday active language. But now we're getting into this place where that cultural Christianity, let's call it, is less present in years past. Yeah. So to, to be a follower of Christ, unless you're in a place where the church is a majority, requires you to, to stand up and you're going to receive pushback. You're going to receive opposition. And I, I'm reminded of Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the German theologian of the 20th century who had spoken out against, the, uh, against Hitler and ended up eventually losing his life near the end of the war because of some of his convictions and uh, actions. But he, he had left Germany right before the war had started to teach in America. And when the war broke out, they offered him a position at the seminary that he was teaching at so he could stay there dur during the duration of the war. But he left and actually went back to Germany because he felt like he needed to be with his people. Mm -hmm. And he led what became known as the Confessing Church. These yeah. are the people that understood the cost that were that have, were not capitulating to the greater culture, but stood out against Hitler. Because for those who don't know, the church really in Germany as a whole embraced Hitler and brought. Uh, I mean, it was like very syncretistic. It brought uh, German theology as well as Hitler almost together. And people were baptizing their babies in the name of Hitler in some places. And and really it. It, it was syncretistic. It was a pollution and a perversion of the gospel itself. And Bonhoeffer refused to do that and led the confessing church. And in our culture that's continually being compromised, we have to become confessing Christians. Yeah. Those who yeah. are, are proclaiming not just with their lips, but with their lives, not a cultural form of Christianity, not an American or Western Christianity, but best as we know, a biblical Christianity centered on the gospel and ready to follow him, no matter what the case may be. And we've taken those statements because we also are kind of in the lines of C.S. Lewis, who wrote Mere Christianity. And we are talking to those around the world who confess Christ. You might be from a slightly different clan, uh, but we're still in the same Christian tribe. And we want to make sure that we are uniting together for Christ to make his name known all over the world. So we are confessionally Christian. And as he said, we're culturally aware, but we are also, and what's that third value there, Kevin, that third value, core value we hold? The globally engaged. Or, globally or we, engaged. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Globally engaged. So let's talk for a minute about what it means to be globally engaged. What does that mean? Yeah, I think, um, it, that's one of those things that it's easy to overlook. We live in a global world. Um, I think about it and I, when I preach and when I talk about it, one of the things that I always do is talk about how the world is in our backyard. And um, that is the case no matter where you are in the world today. I think about um, 
the amount of countries represented at my kids' school, the high school that my daughter goes to, it's remarkable. Um, and I mean, literally from all over the world. And these are my neighbors um, here in the Aurora, Illinois area. Um, the world is literally at our doorstep. But it's not only that. I the One of the things I always do is I hold up my phone because our phones give us access to the world in our pocket 24/7 24/7 yeah take a look at your take a look at your netflix feed and look at how many things if you are here in the west are coming from china or india or wherever around the world though the old lines and the old ways of thinking um they just don't reflect the reality that we're living in today. We live in a global place. And one of the things that we're recognizing, I think, more and more, and I know that you and I have talked a lot about this and, and, and we are very concerned about it, is how does the church um, in the West not just provide resources to the church around the world, but learn from the church around the world? Um, one of my favorite examples of that is... Um, I worked uh, with Oasis International a bit in a previous job. Uh, they created the Africa Study Bible. And this was all of the study notes and things were written by Africans. And one of the things that's in there, the famous passage from Matthew, the Sermon on the Mount about salt and light being salt and light. And we've all heard the sermons about um, the medicinal value of salt and the preservative value. There it is right there. Yeah, um, I got it. I got it. I've read it. All of those things, I preach those sermons where you talk about salt as a preservative and as a medicine and stuff. And one of the things that I, I remember reading in the Africa Study Bible was there was a, a tribe, um, I believe in Botswana, uh, southern, southern Africa, on the edge of major desert there that they dealt with drought all the time. And the monkeys always knew where the water was at, but they were too smart right. to, to let the humans know. So what this tribe would do was to catch a monkey, stake it out and feed it nothing for salt with but salt. And so it got extremely thirsty and then they would let it go and it would make a beeline for the water and they just follow it right there and they'd know where the water was. And the illustration was that part of the job of salt is to make others thirsty for the word of God, that part of our job as Christians is to is to make others thirsty for God's message to the world. And I thought, wow, that's a remarkable illustration that I would have never, ever in a million years as a suburban Westerner um, have understood. And that really helped me see something um, about that passage that I hadn't seen before. I need to learn from the church in Africa or the church in India or Latin America or wherever else, as much as I need to be providing resources to the church there. I, I totally agree with you. And that's one of the things that we have kind of, I mean, we do have, have it as a core value is we want to be globally engaged and hear from those who are different from ourselves and, and not just on the other side of the, the ocean, but even across the street, because the, exactly. just as you mentioned, the world is at our doorstep. And I think back to when I was a youth pastor in Chicago and I, 
I grew up in a small town of about 2000 people with Amish all around me. I mean, I grew up in the heart of East Central Illinois, a little town called Arthur, Illinois. And we had a community of about 5,000 Amish. It was like Norman Rockwell. I mean, people would come from all over to see the Amish, to have some shoe fly pie, to see these people that were dressed differently, that acted differently. And then I found myself at a church in the inner city of Chicago. And that's a very different world. I mean, when yeah. you're when you're in the small town America and the the county fair is your biggest thing and the attraction for everybody, or everyone goes to Walmart on a Friday night in the biggest town that has it, that's a different world in small town America to the inner city of Chicago. And I found though that even though many of the kids that I dealt with had come, they, they were immigrants themselves or the children of immigrants. And while they were so different from me, we had a common language because of globalization. We could talk about sports or music because they had grown up in that world. I think of my own daughter. She's a big fan of BTS, the Korean boy band. So my, my youngest son is walking around the house singing Korean. Uh, it, it's crazy. Yeah. And, and I mean, for myself, if you were talking about Netflix, I... I started watching some Bollywood films and because I was getting bored of all the American movies because the American movies kept ending the same way. So I like to watch some Norwegian or Swedish and, and you got to watch it in translation, but uh, I like to watch different films. Although I think I figured out Bollywood movies, guy likes <laughs> girl, girl likes guy. They fight. I mean, they're attracted, they fight. And then there's like a dance off and somehow people end up in water. That's it. <laughs> That's every Bollywood movie I think I have seen as of recent. But yes, we are globally engaged and we well, want to bring yeah, it to people. Yeah, it's really interesting. You, you mentioned how like sports, entertainment, all of those things. There is um, the reality is that sort of Western culture, especially American culture, has gone around the world um, and in, in a way that allows us to communicate with and connect with people um, in ways that that are just remarkable even a hundred years ago. Um, mm -hmm. Setting technology, the, the specifics of technology aside, but just recognizing what it allows us to do and to connect. Um, I, when I was in seminary, I, I worked uh, for a short while um, on weekends at a Korean Baptist church. And the kids were second and third generation Korean American. And it was really interesting as they tried to, they were navigating two different cultures, mm -hmm. right? And in many ways, they were very American, but they were also very Korean, even when they were pushing against that and trying to figure out who they were. Um, I mean, that's part of being a teenager, right? But um, the, those, some of those core issues that we all face, they're the same, but what they look like and the significance of one issue versus another may well change from one culture to another. But we have the ability to connect today in ways that that have are just remarkable to me. It is remarkable, but I also think it's fantastic for the gospel itself because the gospel is a global faith. I mean, it, it, Jesus Christ said, "Go and make disciples of all nations." 
And I find it phenomenal that I can have such a common belief and a common, I mean, a common unity with people when I travel to different parts of the world and we both find out that we're followers of Jesus, there is a, a familial, like you're uniting with a long lost cousin. Yeah. You know, you've got this basic faith and, and suddenly there's a trust that comes and I've seen it in all the different countries that I've gone to. It's it's been absolutely remarkable. So so we have this this I mean we have these three three core values. We're we're biblically grounded, confessionally Christian, globally engaged, and culturally aware. But we skipped over that biblically grounded one. And everything we need to let people know that everything that we do comes from our belief that the Bible is the word of God. It is God's words to God's word to us to show us how to live, to show us salvation, to show us who we are, who Christ is, but moreover, to show who God is and his plan for the world. And we try to put the Bible at the basis of everything that we do. That's why we have certain episodes devoted just to teaching and bringing out the word of God into a way and or communicate it in such a way that people can understand and apply it. And that leads us to uh, a brand new partnership that we are super excited about. Right, Kevin? Absolutely. So this is, you know, you want to do the drum roll in the background. Um, But uh, yes, we have now uh, got an official Bible translation. We are partnering with Tyndale House Publishers and the New Living Translation uh, as our official Bible translation uh, moving forward, which is a really big deal. We're very excited about it. Does um, does the NLT have its own theme music? Because that would be really cool to put in right there. Like um, you know what? It's or Carmina Brana, like bump, 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 bump. To my knowledge, no, they did not do their own themes. Theme music. NLT. Bump, 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 bump. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. Yeah, I, that doesn't sound like Tyndale to me. That's not the kind of thing uh, okay. that that they generally do. But um, but yeah, you know, the thing about the, the New Living Translation is it is clear. And this is one of the things as we've talked about engaging globally and across the, the boundaries of culture and ethnicity. One of the things that was really important to us was that as we teach as we discuss with people that we can be as clear as possible. And this is something that is very, very true about the New Living Translation. It is easy for people to understand. Uh, their, their tagline is understanding the Bible changes everything. Um, and I think that that's so true um, because when you can understand the Bible, um, it's more than just words on a page, something that you check a box. Yes, I agree with that. I'm always reminded I had a a homiletics professor, a preaching professor way back in my undergraduate days in the early 90s. And I'll never forget, there was a a sermon that I preached. He came out and he handed me my videotape afterwards. This is, like I said, long ago where we had to record ourselves on videotape and we got critiques. And he looked me in the eye and said, Kevin, you clearly have the text. My question is, does the text have you? And I have been haunted by that for in the best possible way for, you know, 30 years or so. And the NLT really does 
the job of helping you understand in a way that the text can have you. Um, I, I agree with you. And what I like about the NLT, and I'm excited about this partnership, not, not to say that other versions don't matter or they're less. No, that's not it at all. I, I love what Woodrow Kroll used to say, the, and, and I'm not sure if it's unique to him or not, but he said the best Bible version is the one you read. That's, I heard I heard that from Dr. Taylor. I used to work at Tyndale years ago, and Dr. Taylor would say that all the time. And he wrote the Living Bible, and he would never tell them, tell people that that was the best one. It was the one you read. That's awesome. I, I agree, because there, there are a lot of great Bible translations out there, and you need to find the one that works for you. And the reason that I like the NLT is that I, I've preached, I've taught small groups, I've led Bible studies, quiet time. I mean, I, I I love the Bible. I used to go through a, I mean, I still do, but I, I go through a different study Bible every year. And I've gone through multiple versions, just trying to get an idea of the different flavors to see maybe perhaps a different emphasis to bring out a truth that I had not seen before. The more that I went to it, though, it became understandable to me. It, it would make things that were culturally obscure or I didn't understand and they would bring that out because it, it, as anyone knows who has tried to translate one language to another there's not always one word that translates and even exactly if there, even if there is it doesn't always make sense so I remember preaching in Aurora and our church was multi-ethnic and I would find that my people had a very hard time understanding certain Bible versions because we had so many people that English was their second language. And mm -hmm. even then, we had a lot of people that just didn't know the Bible very well. And so they were learning, they were growing. But the, the NLT, I, I would go to the NLT and I would put the verse up and it would you could see this light dawn on them like now I get it. Now I understand. And at first I thought, okay, that's great. But what about for my own quiet time or my own study? And then in my quiet time, I would read through, uh, like I said, one Bible version. And then I would find myself picking up my phone going, well, that passage is a little confusing. I wonder what the NLT says or how does the NLT word it? And I would read it and I go, ah, then the, the light would shine on me at that moment in time. But you've been a huge advocate of the NLT for years. Yeah. Yeah, I have been. I so in the interest of full disclosure, I used to work for Tyndale. I worked on the Bible team. I worked with the NLT. But the thing that people need to know is I went to work at Tyndale because of the NLT. I didn't become a fan of the NLT because I worked at Tyndale. The it was a the order was was reversed. Mm -hmm. Um like you said, there's a lot of great Bible translations available today. Um I am not now, nor have I ever been, or will I be a person that is all you can ever do is listen to or read one translation. I don't think that's true at all. When I study for sermons, I use multiple translations every time. But the thing that I love about the NLT is um, that it, um, it's funny. I, there's two, I, I used to hear all the time when I was at Tyndale, it doesn't sound like church. Right. And some people said that in a way that they were happy about it. Oh, finally, it doesn't sound stuffy or whatever. And some people said it in a way that they were scared about that. Right. It doesn't sound like church. Mm. And the thing about the NLT that way is it is contemporary language. It is it was 
written, translated in a way to be read out loud, which is far closer to the way that that the original audiences would have heard the scripture because very few of them would have been able to read, right? So it would have been out loud. But it also has seriously precise scholarship. And like you said, it's not like translation is find and replace, right? Google Translate is way better today than it was when it started. Part of that is because they had to realize that you can't just pull one word out and replace it with another word. Language doesn't work that way. Right. Um, and so the thing about the NLT that I love is that it allows um, precision to be understood, not just in a find and replace, but the meaning of the words together, the sentence matters. And as one uh professor that I've heard over the years said, we have to remember the Bible is, is for us, but it wasn't written to us, right? We, we talked about culture earlier. And one of the things we have to realize is the Bible is written over a couple of thousand years with 40 some different authors. Yeah, and so yeah. guess what? Culture changes from the beginning to the end remarkably. Uh, I, my church is going through the gospel of John right now. And you realize John writes the gospel, his gospel when he's about 90 or about 90 or so um, AD He's an old man, right? The other gospels are written earlier and he's probably writing this from Ephesus in a combination of Jews and Gentiles. Well, that's a different world, a different culture than the one that he grew up in. Mm -hmm. And so he's doing things as he's writing that reflect that. And that's part of the job of translation is to not just translate the words of the Bible, but the world of the Bible as well. And that's mm -hmm. what the NLT does so well. It, it, uh, one of the things that always strikes me is Romans 12, 1 and 2, where a lot of us are familiar about, uh, you know, we ple Paul pleads with us to give our bodies as a, a sacrifice. And, and we, we hear the renewing of your mind in, in verse 2. But one of the things that I love about the way the NLT puts that is don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. And I remember the first time that I read that in the NLT and it dawned on me, I have always been thinking about this as renewing of your mind as something that I have to do, right? It's my job to do this. But the way the NLT translates it, it's not that I don't have responsibility, but it is God who is working to change the way that I think. How does he do that? And he, you see that going on throughout that chapter. And just that difference in the way that it's translated, it was like you said earlier, light bulbs went on for me. That's that's what I do love about the NLT. And, and again, just to reiterate, not that other versions are bad. And I get what people were saying when they were at Tyndale, when it says it doesn't sound churchy. There is something about hearing the King James Version read that is very majestic. But it was written itself to a culture at a moment in time. But I, I remember being a young pastor. I was probably 24 years old. And I was at a prayer meeting. And there was a, a saint uh, I was a little older than that. I take that back. It was 28, 29. And I had a saint who was just turning a hundred. She was an uh, Irish woman and we were at a prayer meeting and she started to pray in King James English. 
And it was beautiful. It was just, there was something that was majestic about it. So I get why certain people like that. But mm-hmm. at the same time, I know that when I'm trying to communicate to kids today, I, that, that doesn't, that they're, they're, I mean, it's a different language. I mean, kids already in our culture today, I mean, anyone who has a teenager knows there are abbreviations and terms that you just don't get. The kids speak almost a different language. And so when you have to have something that's written in 1611 and communicate that to them, if they've not been raised in the church, it is a totally different and makes it even harder. It really does. And, you know, one of the things I tell people is, look, most of us, when we were in high school, had to read Shakespeare. Right. Most of us had to do some play, Romeo and Juliet or Hamlet or whatever. Um, But also most of us past college, unless we were British literature majors, the fact that we could read Shakespeare was one thing, but we didn't. Right. Unless you're an actor who, oh, I've got to do Shakespeare or you're a a British lit person, you're not going to do it. It's not that you can't. But the time and energy and effort and the work that you have to put into it, as beautiful as it is, and frankly, as a storyteller myself, as an amazing uh, storyteller as Shakespeare was, people have a hard time engaging with that. Um, There's a reason why Hamilton was such a huge phenomenon on Broadway as a musical, Mm -hmm. right? Um, There is a connection there, and it's and yes, you're right. It is with kids, but I find it increasingly it's with uh, people who are older as well. And it crosses it because of the things we were talking about earlier, the the kind of global nature of culture. It can cross boundaries in ways that some of those other translations have a harder time doing. It's not that they can't. And like you said, it's not that they're bad. Like like I said before, when I'm prepping for a sermon, I use at least four translations every time. Um, that's just the way that I do that work. Um, but I am very excited about the ability to work with the NLT, to partner with them, um, because I do really believe that it will help our audience here in the podcast and the people who read the things that we put out to really be captured by the messages the scriptures even more. And at the end of the day, that's what we're trying to do, right? Is yeah. allow that message to sink down in, to water the faith of the people that we're reaching. So that they in turn might go water their world and communicate that to others. Exactly. So, so this partnership is to help each each other complete yes. our mission. So we recommend you going to their websites. We're going to give you actually a promo code at the end of the episode so that you can go there and get this. You get 15% off if you put this promo code in just because you listen to this podcast and because you like us and we like you that we're going <laughs> to we're going to reward you by giving you this. And I would recommend getting a, an NLT. There's a lot of different NLTs out there, um, I find fascinating. I've read through a few of them, such as the Africa Study Bible. I've read through the Chronological uh, Study Bible. There's been some really cool, the Life Application Study Bible. There's just really cool resources that Tyndale has put together that I would highly recommend you go out there to check out. And if you want to read more 
on why we've chosen this. We have an article on our website, why the Bible changes, why understanding the Bible changes everything, written by our own Kevin O'Brien. And and not not only on the the website are you going to see uh, that article, but there's going to be many articles, uh, reviews, studies. We're writing some studies that we want to be able to put into your hands to help you. And we have Apollo Swattered merchandise. I I can't wait for that to come online. We had a photo shoot in June with uh, people from all over the world gathered in my backyard. It was 90 some degrees and we have them with hoodies on, but we have people from uh, Iraq. We have people from Mexico. We have people from India, the Philippines, uh, the United States, Europe. I mean, we had people from all over Africa all from different backgrounds, wearing Apollos watered merchandise that we can't wait to put on the website so that you can get a hold of that. And right now we've got them in two different kind of flavors. We've got some hoodies with either our Apollos watered logo or one with my face on it. I'm not exactly still sure how I feel about that. It's really weird seeing my face on a shirt. I had a friend text me and he said, I was arrested because I was wearing your shirt. Um, and I was like, okay, dude, what's, I mean, it was funny because he just put on the text, I got arrested and I'm like, wait, what? And he showed, sent me a picture cause I was wearing this. So, uh, but I would recommend getting the merch It does support our ministry here. So we have some more resources that are going to be coming your way and pay attention to apolloswatered.org for those resources that'll be coming your way soon. And the podcast, some stuff that we're going to be talking about this season. And we have some guests that we are so excited to introduce to you. Some of those we couldn't get in season one. Uh, We recorded them a long time ago. We have some fascinating conversations with uh, men like Philip Jenkins, who's been on NPR, Fresh Air, CNN, and now on Apollos Watered. That's the the, the feather in his cap. Other people such as Nancy Piercy, who started Breakpoint. She is considered the foremost Christian, foremost Protestant. I don't know. What's that term? Do you remember it? I, I was joking with sure. her about it, but it is, she is the foremost Christian female Protestant intellectual in, I don't know if it's the world or the United States, but I actually joke with her about that because I was asking her if there was a male equivalent or if she got that on a t-shirt. And I think she was a little <laughs> surprised by that, but her book, the um, Love Thy Body, phenomenal book, smart woman, amazing, uh, just mind and how it works and what she's doing to equip Christians in our world today to have conversations with uh, issues such as that, what we see going on with LBGTQ+. Uh, It's a great resource, but we have other people such as Mike Goheen, who runs the Missional Training Center in Phoenix, Arizona. Again, I mentioned Philip Jenkins uh, and his book, Fertility and Faith, as he talks about the power of secularism in our culture and what it is doing to the family. Other subjects, I'm trying to think off the top of my head, people, James Chung. Oh, James Chung was a great conversation that we had. He wrote a book called Longing for Revival, something that's near and dear to my heart. 
Um, something that honestly I haven't thought about in many years. It seemed like something that's kind of gone away. It's fallen out of favor because of the confusion surrounding it. But he and his co-author bring our attention back to what a biblical revival is. And basically, it's the hope that we have is that God would revive his church here in the United States, because if numbers could be believed, we are decreasing. There's a variety of reasons for that, but our, our goal and hope is that we might help reverse that and call people to turn back to God in, in fullness and humble dependence upon him. So we have some different guests that are coming your way. We're going to be hearing from people like Timothy Tennant, uh, who's the president of Asbury Seminary, who just wrote a book called For Thy Body or For the Body, talking about how to develop a theology of the body, something that we do not do well as evangelicals in the West. Um, and other people such as Nick Ripkin, that is going to be a fascinating conversation. If for those that don't know him, he is considered to be one of the world's foremost experts on the persecuted church. He wrote a book called The Insanity of God. You read it and you're weeping. You are weeping because of what he has seen, what he has gone through, and the people that he has met, and how they have persevered, how God has worked through them. It will be encouraging, and it will be challenging to you. And there are several other guests that are coming down the pike. Uh, we've been in contact with many different authors and influencers, and we're just so excited to bring them to your attention, because they are going to help you equip you so that you might, I mean, your faith might be watered, but so that you might then go and water your world. And that's just a small sneak preview of some of the things that we have going on. But this is where also we need you. This is how you can help us. We are a brand new ministry. We just got our paperwork in at the beginning of August that the government has said that we are now an official 501c3, but we want to let you know how you can help us. And Kevin, you want to let them, let them know how they can help partner with us to make this thing thrive? Yeah, there's a few things that that will really help us out. The first is keep listening and keep sharing uh, the the podcast with the people that you know, your friends and your family. It really helps when you let others know uh, about us. Um, and if you haven't listened to all of the, the podcast episodes, that's fine. Go back, listen to some of the other ones. I know that the, the two-part Audrey Frank uh, interview was one of my it just I love blew her. me away. She, um, she's incredible. Just as an aside, yeah. I, I can't say enough about Audrey. Um, before I ever interviewed Audrey, I was emailing with her, and rarely, you know, you get usually quick responses in email. Mm -hmm. She's the only person I've ever had email me back just from her email. I wanted to interview her because it was like reading a poem. She Real, was remarkable. It just, yeah. Phenomenal. I mean, all the guests have been phenomenal in one way or another, but Audrey, yeah. you were asking me about it stands out. I think it's also because of who she's ministering to and her own personal story mm -hmm. is, is really phenomenal. Didn't mean to interrupt you, but you keep. No, going. that's, that's fine. That, I mean, those are the things I think there's been some amazing uh, interviews, some amazing teaching um, that it's really helpful to go back, let people know about that, share that. Um, follow us on social media right now. Facebook and Instagram are the two big ways um, 
that we are on social media. Um, follow, share those, um, comment. If you have things that you want us to talk about, if you have people you want us to talk to, we can't guarantee it, but we can try. It's been a remarkable, the people we've been able to get on the the podcast as a, as a startup. So we're willing to, to try to make that happen. So let us know those things. Um, like Travis said earlier, say thank you to the folks at Tyndale for uh, partnering with us for the NLT. Um, and we also need um, your support financially to be able to make this go. It, there's so many things that you don't think about in the background as you start rolling. And it's fine to kind of run on a shoestring for a while, but sooner or later, you've got to pay for podcast hosting and internet and back-end stuff that nobody thinks about until you are in the middle of it and salaries and the rest of that kind of stuff. Well, I think about it. Oh, I know you do. (laughs) I think about it quite a bit. For those who don't know, and I think I've shared this, uh, I believe in this so much that I did put my house up for sale and using the, the funds and the proceeds we made from that to fund this project, to be able to fund this ministry, to get it off the ground and really uh, now we're trying to find those people that whom God has touched to become partners with us, to become part of the Apollos Watered family. While we do want financial support, I mean, we also need that spiritual support. We need you to pray Absolutely. for us because this is a this is a a ministry that is spirit wrought, and without prayer, without God building the house, the builders labor in vain who build it. So we do need you to partner with us to become a part of that family. And if you are able, we would love to have you to become part of our monthly watering team. These are those individuals who feel strongly about the mission of Christ and what we're doing and see what God has birthed and want to partner with us in that. And again, you can go to pauluswater.org, and then there is a support us icon in the upper right-hand corner, click that, and we give you many different options, all watering options. I mean, you can go from sprinkle to tsunami uh, on there and many different ways that you can give. If there is something else you want to give or just a one-time gift, we would love to have you uh, partner with us in that. And pay attention over the next few weeks, too, because we're putting a prayer list and a prayer letter together, a, a newsletter with that in there as well, and that will be sending it out to those who who love the ministry and love what we're doing and want to follow us so that you can pray more specifically and also learn more about the needs that that God has, that that we have, and also hear more about what God is doing. Go deeper with us. So please support us going through this. My children will thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Totally. Thank you. But Kevin, that's it. This is the first episode. We wanted to bring Kevin on the show. He's not been on the show before. He's been dying to do the it's watering time, everybody. It's time for a pause water. He's been wanting to do that since. Yeah. And and I think. And I think I'll leave that to you after this one. I... <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. I don't mind that at all. But we are grateful to our team for all of those who have made this happen. Again, my running mate in this, Kevin, Melissa, Eliana, Donovan, Rebecca, all of those behind the scenes. Uh, I think of Chris, who's been doing our website, and all of those advisors and support team that have come alongside us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. As well as the advisors. Uh, the board, those behind the scenes, and our new sponsorship partner, the NL 
NFT. I'm pretty excited about that. And I told you earlier that if you wanted to learn more, uh, I give you a promo code. So if you go to Tyndale-NLT, use the promo code NLT Bibles in all caps, and it will give you 15% off of anything at Tyndale. Dot com. We would love for you to have an NLT Bible in your home, so do it today. Again, promo code NLT Bibles in all caps gets you 15% off. With that in mind, is there anything else, Kevin, we need to leave our people today? I think you just need to have a strong, strong closeout, and we're good to go. Woo! It's been fun. Strong closeout. Well, season two is here. So pay attention. We're going to be dropping some of our deep conversations in the next couple of weeks, as well as exploring what it means to be what we call missio holistic disciples. Yes, it's a big word, but basically it means discipleship for all of life. What does it mean to be a disciple with all of our life, fulfilling the purpose of God in our generation so that God's name might receive glory? Because we do want to see you grow and we want to see you become the people and person that God wants you to be as God's name receives glory. God has equipped you. He, First of all, he has called you. He's chosen you. And he is now equipping you so that you might fulfill the purpose that he has created you uniquely for. And we are excited to be a part of that. That's why we are here to water your face so that you can water your world. This is Travis Michael Fleming and Kevin O'Brien signing off from Apollos Watered. Stay watered, everybody. Oh, 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 oh,